Last year, our theme was, beginning around this week um, in 2017, change the way that you think, right? We talked about how repentance, the definition of it is to change the way that you think. When Jesus came out of the wilderness, um, after 40 days in the desert, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. What he was saying is change the way that you think about who God is and who he created you to be because you only got one life to live and soon this earth is going to be gone. Now, that is a huge piece of repentance, but there's another piece. It's that we need to also change the way that we feel. Um, we need to change our hearts, which is why we feel like the Lord has said this year's theme is brokenness. It is to be broken. It is that your brokenness is welcome here. Your brokenness is welcome with God. Now, why do we want to, why do we feel like we're supposed to change the way that we feel, change our hearts and not just our thoughts? Well, answer number one is, I feel like the Lord said that's what we need to focus on this year. So that's what we are going to focus on this year, changing our hearts, allowing brokenness in, um, feeling a new way about the Lord and his good word. Um, also, we feel like that the Lord has said that he's going to be blessing this student ministry with some really specific things this year. If you're part of the student ministry, this is what God has to say to you, whether this is your second year here or your first day. Um, rescue, refreshment, and revival are yours, but they require repentance. Changing what we think about God and changing the way that we feel about God. Now, why do we need rescue? Why do we need refreshment? Why do we need revival? Because we were made, whether you know it or not, to live in peace, in joy, and in victory. But most of us live on a regular day-to-day -day basis in fear, depression, and defeat. Tell me if I'm not speaking truth right now. Um, and for you teens and you preteens in the room, I don't know if you know this, and I don't say it to scare you. It's a fact. Um, suicide is the leading cause of death for teenagers in the United States of America. That's crazy to me. That is bananas to me. That makes no sense to me. That is not God's will for you guys, that you would feel so lost and not know what to do with your brokenness that you would literally take your own life. That is not God's will. And yet, in the United States of America today, the leading cause of death for people your age is suicide. Montgomery County, Texas, the county that we are literally a few hundred yards from and are neighbors with, and many of you live in, Montgomery County, Texas has the highest suicide rate for teens in the state of Texas. That tells me something is wrong here. In 2016, there were 25 reported suicides or attempted suicides amongst people your age. This year, we are on track to hit 120 suicides. That's quadrupled. That's beyond quadrupled the number of suicides just in two years. That's, again, crazy to me. Um, I grew up here in the Woodlands area. Uh, I've been here all my life, and there's this phrase that people have said for a long time, says, um, something's wrong behind the trees, right? You guys ever drive through the Woodlands, and you're like, I have no idea what street I'm on right now. It's just all trees, right? Uh, the Woodlands was actually designed that way to deter uh, burglary, but um, there's something wrong behind the trees is this phrase that people use to say that, you know, there's something not really right all the time here, but it's like hidden behind these trees. Um, the reason I say that is this. I want you guys to imagine 
Um, so, what's your name? Caitlin? Come here. Give it up for Caitlin. All right, Caitlin, stand with me up here. Or do you want to be down here? No, let's stay right here. Let's imagine that Caitlin has like a gunshot wound right here in her belly. Um, but like for whatever reason, it's not bleeding a lot. And you are, you are showing no signs of being hurt. Now you come to me and I'm your doctor. And I have everything you need right here to heal you. And I ask you, how are you doing? And you say, nothing, I'm fine. Say those things. Are you sure you're completely okay? You don't, that's a really good thing not to have a gunshot wound. Now, Caitlin leaves my office, and in about five seconds, lay down on the floor right now. She dies. Now, why did Caitlin die? Right? Gunshot wound, but because this is a, like, you're so going all out with this pose. I'm very impressed. Because she didn't let the right person know, you may sit down now, Caitlin, that she had a mortal wound. You cannot expect to be healed if you go to the person that, like, knows how best to treat you and not tell them, this is what's wrong with me. And yet so many of us have brokenness, have mortal wounds in our hearts and minds, and we are not telling anyone, let alone our Father in heaven, I am hurt, I am dying, and I need help. Had Caitlin just said, I I got a gunshot wound, it's not very comfortable, like, we would have totally been all over her and took taken care of her and stitched her up and gotten the bullet out and she would have had more than a fighting chance but because she hit it bad Caitlin she died um you guys some of us our hearts are wrecked like some of you you guys you are miserable you look beautiful today you look so handsome today it's a brand new year you're going to put so much time and effort into thinking about what to wear these first few weeks of school but you are broken inside. And that's why our theme this year, this is what God has put on our heart. Your brokenness is welcome here. You are welcome and encouraged to be broken, snotty messes here. You are broken and you are welcome to be authentic with that and vulnerable with that. Because it's not going to scare us. And it certainly doesn't scare your Father in heaven. Um, we have a very simple sermon today. Um, that I hope and I pray will help each of us realize that, that our brokenness has never been too much for God. So I'm going to read you guys a story from 2 Samuel, and I'm going to read you chapters 11 and 12. It's a big honking chunk of scripture. But I'm not wanting you guys to be intimidated by the length. I just want you to listen. And if it will help you like picture it and use your imaginations, you can draw while I'm talking. You can write down the things that speak to you while I'm talking. Or you can just close your eyes and just imagine the scene as I'm talking. As I mentioned, it's a lot of scripture, so I'm going to drink some water. All right. You guys open your ears, open your hearts, and listen to this story in 2 Samuel 11-12. One spring long ago, when kings normally go to war, King David sent General Joab and his army to fight the Ammonites. And they destroyed the Ammonite army, and they laid siege to their city. However, King David, who issued the order, stayed behind in Jerusalem. Now, one afternoon, after taking a nap, David got out of bed, and he walked out on the roof of his palace. And as he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. And he sent someone to find out who she was. She is Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. 
And then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. Later, Bathsheba discovered she was pregnant, and she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. And then David sent word to General Joab, pull Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, out of the war and send him to me. So Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah arrived, David told him, you should go home. You should rest. You should relax. For David hoped that Uriah would sleep with his wife so that David's sin would remain hidden. But Uriah did not go home. Instead, he spent the night at the entrance to the palace with the king's guard. Now, when David heard that Uriah had not gone home, he summoned Uriah and he asked him, What's the matter? Why didn't you go home last night after being away from your wife for so long? And Uriah replied, My king, the ark of God, the armies of Israel and Judah are living in tents. General Joab and all the king's men are camping in open fields. How can I go home to wine and dine and sleep with my wife while my brothers are at war? I swear I would never do such a thing. Well, then stay here today, David told him, and tomorrow you may return to the army. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next, but he still did not go to his house. And then David decided to invite Uriah to dinner, and he got him very drunk. Again, though, Uriah slept at the palace entrance with the king's guard instead of going home to his wife. So the next morning, David wrote a sealed letter to General Joab. He gave it to Uriah to deliver. The letter instructed General Joab, send Uriah to the front lines where the battle is fiercest. And then pull back your forces suddenly so that he will be killed. So Joab assigned Uriah to a spot close to the city wall where he knew the enemy's strongest men were fighting. And when the enemy soldiers came out of the city to fight, Uriah the Hittite was killed along with several other Israelite soldiers. And then Joab sent a battle report to David, and he told his messenger, report all the news of the battle to the king, and then tell him Uriah the Hittite was killed. So the messenger went to Jerusalem, and he gave a report to David. And when Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. And when the period of mourning was over, David sent for her, and he brought her to the palace, and she became one of his wives. And then she gave birth to a son, but the Lord was displeased with what David had done. So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to confront David. David, this is what the Lord says, the God of Israel. I anointed you king of Israel, and I saved you from those who would kill you. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then? Have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible thing? You have murdered Uriah. You guys, we have all done messed up stuff in our life, but this is messed up. Can I get an amen? amen. Thank you very much. I like the, like the back and forth. Here's a summary of what we just experienced, and this is all a true story. This all happened. David turned his back on his God-given responsibilities. God said to David, this is what I want you to do with your life. 
And this summer, for whatever reason, David was like, yeah, I don't think so. And then David gave in to temptation, and he seduced another man's wife. But I mean, he's the king, so really it's kind of like, you gotta. And to cover up this mistake, he lied to his friends, he manipulated his friends, he forced his friends to hurt people, and then it ended up with Uriah and other people being killed, all so that David could hide his mistake. I'll put it in a more relatable way. David got lazy in his faith. I do that. David started doing stuff he knew was wrong. I do that. And then David tried to hide it. I have done that. And what did God do with King David after such a horrible situation, these terrible things? Men were killed so that he could hide his sin. Um, Did God reject David? Did he, did he kill him on the spot? Did he remove David from power? Did he send David to hell like right then and there? No. Um, God didn't do any of those things. In fact, it says that God forgave David completely. And God kept loving David. And God kept speaking to David. God kept blessing David even though he had done all of that. Three chapters after murdering Uriah and being called out for it in front of everybody, David writes this. God has chosen my family. Yes, he has made an everlasting covenant promise with me. And his agreement is arranged and guaranteed in every detail. And God himself will ensure my safety and my success. What? Are you kidding me? Didn't David just sleep with a man's wife, have the man killed, and then try to hide it? It begs the question, what happened between God rebuking David and then God blessing David? Well, the answer is David admitted he was broken. David admitted that he had made a horrible mistake. And then he went before God and he poured out his heart. He didn't just go before God and be like, I messed up a little bit, sorry. Sorry about that. He went out wrecked. And just gave it all to the Lord. I am broken. I am crushed. I am sorry. Please have mercy on me. David went out and wrote Psalm 51. Right after Nathan said, you have done awful stuff in the sight of your God. He didn't write it calm and composed, but wrecked. And he wasn't just thinking about his sin. He was allowing himself to feel it. Listen to David's feelings in the beginning of Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. And it haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. And you, Lord, will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Our theme this year. And whether you know it or not, you need this, and I need this, is your brokenness is welcome here. Because like David, we all make mistakes, and every one of you in this room have something hidden in you that's 
hurting you. And we are all broken people. And thank God that we have a Savior. We have a rescuer. We have a healer. We have a lover of our soul, even on our darkest day, who no matter what, says to us all day, every day, today, I see you and I see your brokenness. I love you. I'm here for you. Just tell me where it hurts. Your brokenness will always be welcome with Jesus. Every single year on this day, the first day before school kicks off, we have all of these new people come and many of you don't come back. I don't know why. It's just, it must be me. But it happens all over the nation. Everybody just goes back to school. It's like we're lemmings. It's like, oh, it's time to go to church. School started. And then we don't go anymore. For those of you that just don't feel like this is your church home, I love you. It's okay. But know this for tomorrow and for the rest of your life. Your brokenness, no matter what you do, will always be welcome with Jesus. And if I don't see you for another three years and you just come limping in and life has just beat the tar out of you, your brokenness will be welcome with us then too. Psalm 51, 1 through 2. Let's just talk about what we read. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Do you hear David's brokenness in there? I love this phrase. My soul feels like it's stained, blot out the stain of my sin. Like David's soul was stained with the regret and the shame and the guilt of what he had done. You think he killed Uriah and did all that stuff and just walked around like nothing was going on? He was jacked up inside. He was hurting inside all day, every day. And he's saying to God, my soul feels like it's stained. He's saying to God, I feel like I'll never escape the way that I feel right now, which is wretched and garbagey. It's a word. But because of your unfailing love, God, because of your compassion on me, I have hope. What broke David? Again, just reducing it to the bare bones. And tell me if you can't relate to this. David cheated. Anybody in here ever cheated? Doesn't have to be married. Thank you for your honesty, my friend. David lied. Anybody ever lied in here? If you're not raising your hand, you're lying right now. I know. I know. Um, David hurt other people. Anybody hurt other people before? We can all make the mistakes that David made. Hopefully just not to those lengths. What else is it that breaks us, that hurts us? Um, listen. Listen with your ears. And tell me if one of these don't just really grip you, if not more than one. Unforgiveness breaks us. Do you have somebody in your life? I don't care if it's your friend, your parent, the president of the United States. Do you have somebody that you're like, I will never forgive them for what they said, what they did, who they are? If you, do you have any unforgiveness in you? Um, anybody have impurity? Anybody wrestle with impurity? Because that will break you all day. If you look at and I know the statistics, probably all of us, I certainly did. If you look at, if you act on pornography, it is wrecking you. It is breaking you. It is messing you up to the core of who you are. If you wrestle with depression, if you just, if it like 
took an act of God just to get you here today and you would so much rather be home alone with your door shut and not encountering people, there's some brokenness in you. Um, stress, are you living for grades or for making the team and that's the most important thing to you? That will break you sooner or later. Um, do you wrestle with comparison? Do you just walk around just looking at everybody else and feeling like I need their approval, their approval, their approval? That will break you. Um, arrogance, do you feel like I don't need anybody? I got it, I mean, look at me, right? That can break you. You living in some hidden shame? Um, are you living and letting your past mistakes define you? Are you believing lies? Is there anybody in here that feels like I am not good enough, whether for people or for the Lord? That's certainly a sign of brokenness. Maybe your brokenness is, I just don't really believe what you're saying right now. I've never heard God's voice. I don't know if I believe in all of this. I'm here because my parents just, you know, are going to a class. Doubt and unbelief. That'll break you. If you, if I allow any of those things to exist in us unchecked, then we are broken. And that is okay. It's not ideal, but it's okay. It's welcome here. Psalm 51, 3-4 says, I recognized my rebellion, and it haunts me day and night against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. The most important, powerful, necessary confession of your life, whether it's all the time or just that first one, the most important, powerful, and necessary confession of your life is not to your friend, it is not to your teacher, it is not to your parent, it is not even to your pastor. The most important confession that we can ever make is going to be directly to the Lord. Um, God's the one who made us right? He's the one who has warned us from the beginning in his word, lying will hurt you. Cheating will corrupt you. Unforgiveness will poison you. Pornography will pervert you. Killing your friends with gossip will, will cripple your heart. God knows that, and it's against him and him alone. It's against him and him first that we sin, that we hurt when we do these things. And again, God did not create you to be hurt, to be miserable, to, to live hidden lives. God created you and me to live in joy, like erupting, overflowing joy. And I would ask you, just between you and the Lord right now, how's your joy? Is it through the roof right now? Praise God, keep it up. Is it not? Is it like non-existent? Is it like, I don't even really know what joy is? Well, then maybe you're broken. Maybe you're desperately broken, and you need to confess to the Lord and know it's welcome. He's been waiting to just take a bunch of that hurt and replace it with some love, some kindness, some joy. The second part of Psalm 51.4 says, Lord, you will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. God has given us all the power to choose. And you can choose to believe in the Bible or not. It's your choice. He will not force you. You can choose to begin healing today or not. You can, uh, I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing. It feels good. That's fine. You can do that. You've been given the power to choose. But it's my job to remind you and myself that God is God and we are not. That God will be proved right in the end. Just go read Revelation, the last book of the Bible. 
He wins. And we only have this one life to embrace this fact. And right here today, you can choose to begin living joyfully and confidently and victoriously in Christ in a way that you think you've been living and you haven't even scratched the surface of how bold and ferocious in Jesus' name you can be, how happy and free you can feel knowing he loves you. And all you need to do to start that is embrace your brokenness and admit, I need a savior. I need rescue. I need healing. Um, I need somebody who truly sees me and adores me, warts and all. And that's Jesus Christ. Or you can keep living in denial and hiddenness, and you can do your, your meager best to manage the effects of your sin and your rebellion. But it will only result in daily sorrow, solitude, and bitterness. And if those words mean more to you than joy, you need to hear and respond to what I'm saying. The choice is yours. Admit you're broken and be healed. Admit you're broken and begin the journey towards this joy that God said is yours, not just in heaven, but here on earth. Or keep that brokenness to yourself and it will rot your heart from the inside out. It's your choice. Bailey Bear and company, you guys can take the stage. Um, We're going to go ahead and wrap up. I want you to hear this. David slept with somebody who was not his wife, had that man killed, hid his sin from everyone. If God forgave David for what he did, God is ready and willing to forgive you for whatever you've done today. That should, that should encourage you. Oh, God will never forgive me. God will never look at me. God will never... If God forgave David, God will forgive you. And if... God blessed David, who deserved to die by the laws of the land for what he did. God will certainly, God will abundantly bless you too. Oh, God will never bless me after what I, if he blessed David, he will bless you. Psalm 51, 5 through 6, I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. And yet, Lord, you desire honesty even from the womb. All God is looking for you today. All he wants from you today. All he desires any day is that you would just be honest with him. From the heart. Just admit, yeah, I'm broken. Yeah, I wrestle with those things. Yeah, uh, my, my joy is here. And my shame, my guilt, my pornography addiction, my um, hating of my sister, my brother, like is way up here. I don't know what to do with it. I need help. Yeah, I think, I think I'm broken. Um, this is the most important part of any sermon that you hear is the time that we respond to what God has been saying. It's the time that we take all that I just threw out there for you to consider and to feel and then respond, not to me, but to God. So take your pen and take your brown card and put them in your hands and we will respond to what God has been saying. On one side of that brown card, I just want you to tell God wherever it is that you feel broken. It can be one of the things I gave. 
or something that I didn't even touch, that I didn't even mention. But if you are broken anywhere in your heart, if you're angry with someone, if you have unforgiveness, if you feel self-hate, if you're wrestling with anything, just acknowledge, yeah, this is not good for me. I don't like the fruit this is bearing in my life and just write it down. Um, God, pornography is breaking me. God, I can't stop stealing. God, um, I hate this person and and it is tearing me up. Just on one side of that card, just acknowledge in a few words, this is where I'm broken. If you're still writing, feel free to continue. But for those of us that are done, flip that card over to the other side. I want you to just write a simple prayer in your own words. It doesn't have to sound like the Bible or be poetic, but it certainly can be. But just in your own words, just write a personal note to God. That's your prayer. That's your psalm. And just ask Him to begin healing the brokenness. Um, Invite Him to come and start dealing with the negative feelings that very well probably are, are like defining you are manipulating you these ugly feelings as a result of your brokenness determining what you do what you say what you think how you feel just invite God would you come and just get rid of this shame would you come and just deal with my pride would you come and just remove my depression just write him a note and just ask him to help you out to heal you to speak words of life and truth to you give you about 60 seconds to do that. writing, go ahead and continue. I'm going to pray. Jesus, thank you that any day, every day, all day, we can come to you. We can respond to you. We can say, I need you. Um, Where are you? I'm hurting down here and I, I could use some help. We are doing that today. Lord, this is where I'm hurt. This is where I'm broken. Heal me. Help me. Please, God, heal me and help me. I I can't do it anymore. I don't want to go on anymore, but you are God. You are compassionate. You are merciful. Come and just just love me in the right direction. Lord, push down the negative feelings in me and give me joy. Give me boldness. You promised it's possible, so just come and do it. I need it. Lead me on the straight path. Lead me away from this bad behavior and these bad feelings. Please, God. guys, we respond in a variety of ways every week. We have our tithes and offerings that we bring, and we place in these boxes or the mailboxes. If you've got a job, if you have an allowance, um, participate in giving back to the Lord. You don't um, need money as much as you need God. And it is not to pay my salary that you bring a tithe. It's to let God know you're more important to me than this paper in my pocket. And we take communion every week, and it's just our reminder that, man, God 
Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you for allowing your body to be broken for me so that I can even sit here and understand what's being said. So take communion. And usually, we have a special response, and we do today. I want you to take those prayer cards, those brown cards, and I want you to bring them up here, and I want them to be your offering today. You can put them in these boxes or the mailboxes and just leave them for the Lord. We will pray for them for you. We will keep them private for you. We will hang them up so others can intercede for you. But just surrender that. Give that brokenness to the Lord. And because it is kickoff Sunday, every year we take a rock, a stone of remembrance. You look up here on the stage, you'll see there's four other ones up here from four other years. This is our 2018 Stone of Remembrance. And every year we write a phrase on this stone to kind of set the tone for the year. And every year, every day we come back here and see this, it's our reminder. And this year, 2018, our theme is brokenness. So I invite you, if you're broken, if you know it, if you embrace it, if you accept it, come up here and write the word broken on this rock. And if you're at a place where you know I need to be broken, but I don't know how to go about it, you can write break me on this rock. And what I love about this rock, and I'm going to ask my geologist friend, I found this in Big Bend, Texas, years and years and years ago when I was your age or younger. I literally think it's like a broken dinosaur bone. But I like it just because I do know it's broken. God, come and break our hearts this year. 